previously on Wild Endeavors. Seeking information about the King in Yellow, the cult that worships him, and Tharina's mysterious connection to the Elder God, the Wayward Sons went looking for Adjudicator Asiliot Sicarius. They found the Paladin at Wardshire Keep, just as a horde of undead and a dragon fell on the holy warriors of the Armalucius. Thanks to our heroes, the Paladins took the day, and in the shadow of the dragon's corpse, the Wayward Sons captured one of the cultists. This is the story of the Wayward Sons, featuring Amy Jostino as the Dwarven Barbarian, Tharina Thunderhelm. I don't want to do it because I don't want to get murdered by a bunch of paladins. Devin Salisbury as the Eladrin Wizard, Varys Leodon. I just want to look at them and be like, what you plan and what happens isn't exactly ever similar. Adam Rogers as the gnome rogue, Malkin Kessel. If I see an opportunity to like kind of do my dodging and hiding and that kind of thing, I will do that. Nick Feely as elven fighter, Aramil Galadinel. To be honest, if somebody asked me what the whole truth was, I wouldn't even know what it was. So. <laughs> Evan Chamberlain as the human cleric, Elliman Corster. Man, we have good intentions. We have terrible execution. And I'm Thomas Marsetti, GM and producer of These Are Wild Endeavors. Now, episode 13, Inquiries in Yellow. standing amid the ruined buildings on the outskirts of the fallen city of Paragon. Scores of zombies lay scattered around you, now once again dead. Between them and the massive corpse of the undead dragon, the cloying smell of rotten and burning flesh wafts around you. Three yellow-robed figures lay dead amid the rubble, a fourth one held in place by Varus's magic. You hear a victory cheer rise up from the nearby Wardshire Keep. Thanks to you, the Keep is still standing, and most of the Armalucius survived the assault. I wanted to walk over to the the zombie dragon head mm-hmm. and like pull a couple of teeth out of its mouth. For sure. And keep one for myself and then uh, walk over to Therina <laughs> and hand her one of them. It's better than yours. Hey. And I don't say anything, I just hand it to her. And I nod, and I take the tooth. I say, is, is Thorina still mad at Malkin, then? No. That fixes it. Okay. <laughs> that means very, he acknowledges that I did a lot to help him kill the dragon. Alright. And now what about your captive? I would interrogate him. Probably um, when we get back to the fort, I'd say. Do we still have the <laughs> bands of Bolar? Yeah, I okay. think we have... Does it work for both hands? Well, it, it, it wraps his entire body up. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right, you're right. All right. Yeah, we have Let's iron hands of the lard. We can use that. All right, so I'm going to like get right up in his face. I'm going to say, you see what we just did to that dragon, correct? You can't talk, but you also saw what we did to your friends, correct? Can't, I know, he can't talk. <laughs> you're you're going to be a very good boy, and you're going to answer our questions. And I have the iron band of the lard, and I'll just nod at Varys whenever you're ready. And I'll throw them on him immediately. 
So in their compact form, the bands look almost like a rubber band ball that is made of metal. When you toss it at the cultists, the bands begin to rotate on the ball and grow. Very quickly, the bands are large and oscillating like hula hoops around each other. When the bands then hit, they continue to oscillate, but now around the cultist until they suddenly snap into place, effectively binding him from the shoulders to his knees. And with his limbs now pinned, he topples over and crashes to the ground. Because these are the same bands that Dakin used to ensnare you when he tried to take Baharoth, you know personally that they are incredibly secure. It should be nearly impossible for a normal mortal to escape them unaided. Okay, I'll do the thing where I like kneel down, like right in his face. All right, I'm going to ask you a few questions here, all right? Depending on how those questions are answered, you know, maybe you'll get let go, maybe you'll just get thrown in jail. Can't promise that, you know, if I don't like them that, you know, maybe my dwarf friend over here won't just smash your head in like she did your other friends. It may actually be safer to question him not in the middle of the street. Okay. Just in case, like, he makes eye contact with somebody... Or there's like a straggler left behind and they try to come save him and blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's fine. But I'm going to say all this to him. Just start dra- I can drag him to the fort. As you start then uh, like carrying him back to the fort, you eventually start to see like the paladins and the, the armor militias coming from the other side. Leading the advance of those troops are the eight paladins who appear to be in charge of the rest of the forces at the keep. When they get within range where you can actually kind of talk to each other, Paladin with the glaive steps forward. Um, he was the one that you talked to mm-hmm. and convinced to stay and fight. He hands his glaive off to an older Paladin nearby um, and then removes his helmet. He is young, uh, probably early 20s, um, which is especially young to be leading a group of Paladins, um, since Paladins are usually the ones leading other Holy Warriors. His hair is short and black and sweat matted against his head. His eyes are dark brown and very fierce. His face is clean shaven, so you can see with very uncomfortable amount of detail the massive burn scars that cover his entire neck and in some places begin to peek up um, over the line of his jaw. He nods to you and says, I am adjudicator Asiliot Sicarius. Your deeds today please the Lord of the North Wind. I also take my helmet off, and I offer my hand out to shake. Um, I'm Element Corsair, scion with the Cerulean Sons, and champion of Tempest. It's a pleasure to meet you. We have heard much of the deeds of the Wayward Sons. Um, we've actually come here looking for you, Judicator. He raises an eyebrow. Yes, we come here looking for answers with the cult of the King in Yellow. Indeed. And I believe we came to the right place and found the right person. Indeed. I've dedicated myself to eradicating their foul influence from the land. Well, I don't know if you're looking for a prisoner, but I found one for you, if you'd like him. I know I'd like to interrogate him. He, yeah, he, he looks over at the, the cultist and then, you know, uh, is it, it, even more impressed. By your leave, I would wish to be there when you question him. Um, <laughs> no, absolutely. I would uh, um, actually like you to be present there, of course. Back at the keep, the rest of the Arma are pushing the undead off the battlements or, like, stacking them up into piles and, and setting them afire. Inside, they're tending to their to their wounded. For the most part, it's pretty straightforward. Like, you've all seen Element heal many times. Um, occasionally, though, the, the Arma's clerics do cover up a body and they're, like, the body's carried to a small line toward the western wall. But, however, it's, it's, there's very few of those. Um, of the 60 in the keep, it looks like only 8 
didn't make it. What about our like prisoner? Like, does anything seem different about him? Go ahead and roll insight. Eighteen plus seven. <laughs> okay. As you're as you're making your way back, you catch a couple of times of him just kind of muttering and like a couple like little giggles. It's it's not any kind of like magic that he's trying to cast. It's not any like he's not like trying to talk to anybody around him. It's almost like he's just talking to himself. And the words are not it's not quite like as bad as Cloud, but it like it it's kind of just gibberish. I got you. Okay. I'm going to ponder on this more. Let's see if I can come to a solution. So as people are moving about the keep, dealing with the aftermath of the siege, there is one other thing that catches your attention. The paladins, who are wounded, kind of move off to one side, away from everybody else. And the wounded ones begin to, like, strip off their armor, and then they kneel down on the ground and begin to pray. One in particular catches your attention because uh, it's a fairly petite paladin. And they're wearing a helmet with big ram's horns on it, um, almost as big as the helmet itself. Uh, but when they take the helmet off, you realize that the horns are not part of the helmet. They are part of her head. Her skin is pink, like Hello Kitty pink. Her eyes are like anime large and all black, save for yellow cat-like slit pupils. And she's got a small bundle of black dreadlocks that fall down to just below her shoulders. She's stripped off the top half of her armor down to just like a padded vest. And there's a blood stain on the, the one side of the vest. And another paladin, um, a dwarf with a dusty red beard, comes over and kneels opposite of her. And he pulls a maybe like a two-foot metal rod uh, that's covered in intricate carvings out of his belt. And it's hard to make out from where you are like what is carved onto it. But he holds the rod in one hand and then begins casting a spell with the other. And soon the rod begins to show signs of like heating. It becomes you know, the orange and then it becomes like red hot. And then it becomes like white hot. The tiefling seems to finish her prayer. And then she raises the side of her vest, reveals three large gouges on her side from like right below her breast, um, across her ribs, like down to her waist. And so she is holding that, that padded vest up and she nods to the dwarf and he takes like a half a step forward and presses that hot metal against her wound. And you can hear the, the flesh sizzle and kind of begin to crisp and she's, she grunts and kind of starts to shake a little bit under the pain. And the dwarf hold, like just holds the rod against uh, the wound for an uncomfortably long time. That is, it's uncomfortable for you watching how long he's holding this this brand against her. When he finishes with the, the third slash, he puts the he puts it down on the ground where it's still hot enough, like it starts to sizzle something in the dirt. And then he raises his hands and casts a healing spell on her. And you can like the skin relax and that awful red pucker from the burn disappears and like all the other superficial injuries clear up, leaving just the the burn scar like along each of those three where the three slashes were. And now you can see burned into her skin, all along the wounds are a series of dragons that seem to crawl along her scars. And so as you watch this, you're noticing that basically any of the wounded paladins are doing this to their wounds. They're cauterizing them first with these dragon um, irons and then getting healing over it. 
Um, so as you're watching this, one of the armor clerics comes over to you and says, uh, excuse me, would, do, would you like any healing? Not if you're going to burn me. <laughs> he looks to where, you know, where, where you're looking and says, oh, oh no, no, that, that is a, that is a ritual that is particular to those paladins. Okay, Our good. healing is much more traditional. Yes, then I need it, please. Uh, I did just come out of a dragon's stomach. I um, could use some. I'm kind of low on spell slots. So after you've been healed, you're given a, an area of the barracks where you can you can take your prisoner. Chopper Bulwark, the captain of Wardshire Keep, that Kenku, comes up to you as you are standing there and lets you know that his people have been in touch with some of the forces that were on the Dawn Rose, and Captain Wing has been informed that the the threat has passed. He, he had started loading some troops up, some reinforcements up, so they're going to unload those again, and then when that's done, he's going to fly back. But So he is on his way back. What would you like to do? Um, I'm okay with resting before we... I mean, they've got the prisoner, right? Like, we're confident that... Between the Paladins and the other members of the Armalucius, certainly seems like a pretty secure location. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna. I, yeah, probably I think we should. Guys, I'll, um, I'll stay up and keep watch. Yeah, I mean, I technically don't like sleep, but I just need to do a long rest so that I can get my shit back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I see no reason not to. We just fought a fucking zombie dragon. Like, well, yeah, I think it makes like a lot of sense. Take a rest and then we move on with life afterward. As you all are settling in to rest or maybe to sleep, I wanted to check in and see how you all are doing. You know, like, where are your heads at right now? Particularly given your recent run. Um, in the Feywild, Malkin lost an eye. Therena was captured by storm giants, and you all had to run for your lives. There was the shit with Glorious Purpose and the trial. You met another one of the, the legendary champions, only to watch her die. You did recover a legendary Crucius, but then the judges tricked you into killing some of your crew. You found out Arthamore was destroyed, and then you were just in one of the largest gale battles since you all were in the war at Valorhold. And then, oh yeah, there was a zombie dragon. So, like, it's just been like a lot of things right in a row for you i mean i feel good in the in the micro sense about like finishing that fight and helping like protect the keep but in a macro sense i'm still like just impatient about the whole quest at large like i just sometimes i think aramil thinks that like the muddled kind of like uh i don't know fights and discussions and trials and tribulations that we get ourselves into like just distracts us from what we really are supposed to do with the the macro storyline do you ever voice that no okay i don't think so do we perceive that from him at all or no just following kind of the structure of the what we've done so far in in our sessions like i don't do a lot of the talking so i would imagine that like when we do a lot of this diplomatic type stuff Aramil is sort of like in the background, not like openly sighing or rolling his eyes, but just sort of like seeming a little bit like disinterested in the whole thing. So like there's there's there is definitely some body language there, like a, like impatience or like a, why are we doing this now sort of thing that, that they can pick so. up on. Okay. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah, Elliman's gonna do some praying. And also some self he's gonna have some self thought as well. <laughs> As to, am I doing the right thing? Anything in particular, or just, like, in general? Yeah, the, the whole trial has got him thinking, not doubting what he, who he is, but doubting 
is he truly a good person? You know, um, he tries to be noble and courageous, especially for like his companions. And but um, there's been a lot of killing lately of people he necessarily didn't want to die. I don't know. Unless you're looking for like a very specific answer right now from your god, I'm gonna kind of just let him stew with that for the moment. Mm-hmm. Lorena just wants to figure out what's going on with this king in yellow slash the vision slash everything else. So, mm-hmm. so she doesn't care about killing people, obviously. That's fun. <laughs> what? She doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> or the dragon. She's cool with mm-hmm. killing dragon. Is she showing any outward signs of that? Well, she's trying not to show like anxiety about trying to figure out what's going on with the cult or impatience because she doesn't want to she doesn't know how these people would react if they found out that she has like weird stuff going on in her head from the king mm-hmm. and what they might do. So she's just kind of trying to hide all that. I don't know if she does it well. I think you, you can kind of tell us. Do you think she do you think in general she does a good job with it or not? I'd say yes. That makes sense. Ooh, also I need to um, not related to feelings um, refill the water in Diggy's pocket dimension. Yeah. They can do that for you. Yeah, we, we have the alchemy jug. We can do that. Beep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, either you can do that or they can... There's a bunch of clerics around. They can make water like nobody's business. So I'm going to keep watch. I'm going to stay awake until Aramil's done with his trance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll kind of wander like the wall and just look around the surroundings and kind of think on myself and what we've done and like how much literally like I have changed how much like being with this group has helped me kind of change into what I feel I think is a a better person but I'm definitely still like I have that like part of me that always like I feel powerless still because of I still haven't helped her yet you know Mm -hmm. and so like that's just a constant dread and then also with the whole Feywild thing like being overtaken and surprised by it all of that it doesn't sit well with him he wasn't able to save that person and that came, the giant camp and then all of these king and queens of the court are like have such dominion over him he feels very like powerless in that sense i think then too if you're if you're walking the wall just looking out over this dead city um a city that even even in ruins is still would put other cities to shame and just that it's it's still so very clearly dead and that's so, like, it has changed so much from what it once was. It's probably a, a pretty weird backdrop to have that kind of yeah, <laughs> that kind of sure. existential moment. So. For sure. Great. So Malkin's life has been, and especially recently, like kind of a big roller coaster and kind of peaked right before the incident happened in the Feywild, in the shop. At that point, he was like, finally stepping to the front of the group and like trying to make decisions and it went south and like almost cost everybody everything at that point so he's he but this killing this dragon kind of was like a temporary high but i feel like if they're resting or if we're resting for the night and he was kind of off by himself you know laying on the ground or if they have like a cot or something or just has his pack behind his head like when he goes to go to sleep every time like it's just every decision that he's made in his life goes through his head so he's in in life was simple at the beginning it was just i have my boss i protect my boss i protect the company that's what i do Mm -hmm. then all of this has happened 
And now he's not even sure if his boss is dead anymore, which is just completely confusing. And it's just one of those things, kind of like the meaning of life that he goes back to sometimes. It's just like, I don't know what that means. Mm. And then think about it for a little bit, then he has to stop because it doesn't make any sense. So now he's, but he's still, I think he's decided he's going to step back again and let the others lead the group and just do what he knows to do best, which is protect people, protect his they're not his bosses now, but kind of like that. I just need to protect these people, and if that's what I do, I have fulfillment in life. And if we save the world doing it, then that's great. All right. In the morning, the Armalucius offer to share their camp breakfast with you. Nothing fancy, but certainly far from the worst type of camp food you've had. After you've eaten, Isiliad approaches you and lets you know that he has set aside a room in the barracks. It is typically reserved for as the captain's office and he's going to have that set aside for your use whenever you would like to take your captive in there we kind of think that like this is the interrogation is going to happen he's basically whenever you want it to okay before we do that i want to use the coin to ask if the interrogation i guess it can only give yes or no answers or can it only be good or bad like i can't say like are we going to get answers that we seek um, like it's not like a magic eight ball, right? Right. And just a reminder for the rest of the group of, of what's going on. This is a magic coin. This is one of the things that you found that were stuck among the dragon scales or in its stomach. When the coin is flipped, it will predict the future, um, prognosticating a positive or a negative future outcome. If you put a specific scenario to it and then flip the coin, it will try to gauge the outcome of that particular thing rather than a a more general future. And in identifying the coin, you did also get warned that it is actually sentient and pretty dramatic. And so that might need to be taken into account in whatever sort of thing it divines for you. Okay, so I'll just ask it, how will the interrogation go? Okay, so as you flip it up into the air, you can kind of hear it just like humming quietly to itself as it flips and then it comes back down. As soon as you kind of like smack it down on the back of your hand, you just hear it say, and when you take your hand away, it is the grain side of the coin, which would be like the tails. And then you just hear this voice coming from the coin and the coin kind of vibrates a little bit. Oh, oh God. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm so sorry for you. Oh, it's going to be so bad for you. Oh my God. Oh, I'm so sorry. And it just goes on that way for a little bit. I'll put it in my pocket. Okay. As soon as you do, it kind of like, it gets a little bit quieter and like slowly like trails off, but just still there's a couple like, oh God. (laughs) I think um, I'm not going to share with the group what it said, but I'm Mm -hmm. going to be, I'm going to go into the interrogation, like super ready for shit to pop off. Okay. It has to. Let's go interrogate me some cultists. Okay. So it's a pretty standard, like, it's a square stone room. There's one cot against the wall. There's a desk where, like, you know, for, like, writing reports, a small chest, like a kind of like a wardrobe type thing, and then a large, like, kind of like a reading chair and, like, a little fireplace. Ciliat brings the tiefling paladin, which you learn her name is Chorus, and a halfling named Athalos. The prisoner is brought in and placed in the middle of the floor. The cultist is still bound up, and Asiliot just she's like, He's your prisoner. You should start. Okay. Is there any questions you wanted to ask him specifically? Many, but I'll defer to you. I imagine there's like a little uh, 
like this little stool I can sit on. Sure. So I'm gonna take my sword belt off and uh, take my shield off, like set it down, mm-hmm. put my helmet down next to it. I'm gonna get the stool and like get up pretty close, sit down. All right. So you remember what I told you yesterday, correct? He just stares at you. Um, actually, go ahead oh. and roll intimidation for the stuff that you had said earlier. <laughs> Not very good. I think it's like a four. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, four. he just stares at you. I'll lean in and like whisper to Elman what I had recalled from him earlier when I was kind of watching over him and how mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he's a little bit um, uh, mad or lost in mind. He was okay. uh, he was fidgeting and kind of murmuring to himself a bunch of nonsense earlier. Is he like catatonic right now? No, he seems, his eyes are clear. He seems very calm and is just staring at you. So it's Does just, he see visions of the king in yellow? Then? Are you asking that? Yeah, we should no, let Farina take, suggesting, take no, some well, I don't. Because she kind of has the... I don't want to do it because I don't want to get murdered by a bunch of paladins. I don't think that'll happen. We wouldn't let that happen. I think... Why would you get murdered by them? Because you'd kill this guy? No, because uh, they're, I don't know how they would react to knowing that I have visions of the king in yellow. Gotcha. Yeah, in case they think he's controlling me and decide to kill me. Makes sense. Um, but do we still have our... Can we communicate with the thingies without the other people hearing us? As far as you know, that link is just a connection between the five amulets uh, that each of you are wearing. Okay, yeah. Um, so I would tell Element to ask about that who he's talking to in his head. Okay, I'll get, I'll get to that. To I'm, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to start light first. <laughs> I will very much be standing, like, in the back of the room. I don't know, let's say I have an arrow out and I'm spinning it in my hand. Nice. So, uh, do you have a name? Friend? They, uh, they call me, uh, Elemen. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Oh yeah, why is that? <laughs> because we will all be nameless. When Astor comes. Is that the, uh... Is that your yellow lord that you guys... <laughs> is that what he's called? Astor? No. <laughs> no. It's funny, huh? Yeah. Can I be hitting on the tiefling during this time? <laughs> you can. Tell me a little bit more about that. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Hey! It's an option. Let right me know. Now I'm just, just giving her eyes across the... Okay. <laughs> she she occasionally glances over at you. Like, she's noticed that you are noticing her. So, back Hastor. to your... Hastor, yes. How did you first... I don't know, let's say... How did you personally come in contact with him? I was chosen. So you... Do you get visions from him? Or does he speak with you? I... I'm not allowed to see the king. You're not allowed to see him, but you can hear him. Yes. Okay. Why is that? I'm I'm not yet worthy. Okay, okay. Alright, okay. What kind of things does Hastur say to you? Hastur doesn't talk to me. You just said you hear him, though. I hear the king. Isn't the king and Hastur the same person? <laughs> Ask him if the king is here now. Okay, all right, hello. He doesn't answer. He just laughed at you for a little while and then slowly stopped. Does the king... Is he... 
Is he here now? <laughs> Why don't you ask your herald? My herald. And he and turns and looks at Perina, and he says, "Tell them." Tell them what? Tell them, Harold. Tell us all. Her name's Thorina, not Harold. Thorina, make a wisdom saving throw. 20. Not natural, just... You can feel someone is trying to read your mind. Actually, with a 20, you have, like, a momentary connection with that person, and you can almost kind of, like, see through their eyes for just a moment, and it's the tiefling paladin. She's trying to read your mind. I'm gonna look over at her and give her just, like, a glaring look like she should know that I can tell she's doing this without actually having to attack her. Yeah, she, you, and you know, too, like, in that moment, like, she knows that you know that she tried and could not do it. And so when you give her that look, she pulls her sword out of her scabbard just, like, half an inch and lets it drop, and then pulls it out again and lets it drop. And Asilia looks back at her and then looks back at the lot of you and says... Maybe we should talk. Yeah, maybe we should. I keep I say that, not looking at him, but looking at our prisoner. I say, yeah, maybe we should, and I give, like, a little nod. <laughs> she rolls her eyes at that one, but... <laughs> I, uh, I stand up and I collect my items via the telepathic link. I just say to Thorina, we're not going to let anything happen to you. I also say to Thorina, the telepathic bond, please don't attack them right away. Only attack when we're attacked. I'm not raging yet. We're not trying to make a repeat of what happened at the shop. Look, that's totally different situation. I know. I'm fine. As you have that little conversation, one of the paladins steps forward. She's an older woman, maybe early 70s. Face looks tough as leather. Slate gray hair tied back into a tight bun. She grabs the prisoner by his arm and lifts him up. And actually, like, you see his feet leave the ground for just a moment as she lifts him up with one arm. And then she escorts him from the room. So that leaves the Ciliat, Chorus, and Athalos in the room with you all. So, let's talk. What did he mean? I have no idea. He's clearly rambling like a madman. Asilia turns and looks at Chorus, and the two of them just stare at each other for a couple moments. Then Asilia nods. Mad or no, his mind was clear when he called her a herald. Why? Pause. Out of character, do we have any reason, like, not to just be honest? I mean, she's proven her that she's not, you know, like, part of the group or whatever. We've proven our worth, obviously. The guy basically lauded over us. Like, well, we, like, we came said- here looking for answers on that, right? So if we were right. just honest, if we were just upfront about what's going on, like, maybe they can help us. Yeah. It's pretty I- clear, like, Therena's not mad. Yeah. I guess we can pretend like we're having all these conversations through the telepathic thing, but, like... It, it's also, like, their manner is like, 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 we're looking to, like, solve it. We want to get rid of it. We know it's I mean, a bad like, thing, and we want, want it. I mean, I do. Right, yeah. So, I mean, what if we phrase it that way? Like, we understand this is frowned upon. Is what there is- a way to... My only concern is, is the way that they've acted just out of pure, like, a hint of knowing, like, that she might be involved. They've immediately tensed up, like, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. think sharing is gonna make them be more comfortable. I don't See, know. I think lying is gonna make them less comfortable, especially if they find out. If we just share openly about what's going on, I think that's likely to ease tensions, but that's, that's my vote. I'm kind of with you on this one. I think 
we've kind of proven our worth, honestly. We did save that fort. We killed a bunch of the cultists. We killed yeah, it. Like, we've earned goodwill with these people. Like we can cash it in, I think, in this. Yeah. I think in this instance we can be up front with them. Okay, contention plan. If all I mean, goes what, to hell, I'm jumping to the pocket dimension, somebody hide me. Well, I think at the end of the day it's gotta be Thurina's decision. She's the one that's in I just told you that's my that's my uh Alright. But you should decide whether you wanna tell them or whether you wanna lie around it. I mean that's up to you. Also Thorina, I can get us out of here if we need to. So you don't have to hop in a pocket dimension then. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I have a feeling it's going to go bad really fast. Okay, we will tell them. I won't have any of my weapons visibly on me when we tell them. <laughs> How much of the truth are we divulging to them? That's a great question. Well, since Tiefling Lady is trying to read everybody's mind, I think we might as well just go ahead and lay it all out. To be honest, if somebody asked me what the whole truth was, I wouldn't even know what it was. So. <laughs> okay, so yes. This is like a super long telepathic conversation. We're all just like looking at each other. Well, and some of this, like, I think, some of this was more like background. Like, gotcha. Yeah. As you guys are like, you know, eating your porridge this morning, like, what are we gonna do, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so right. Asilia yeah. is looking at Thorina and why you? I have no idea. Um, we think it's because I, um. I had a Chandran, and then we figured out that somehow that was a connection to it, um, but we destroyed it. We thought we got rid of it, but then I had more visions, and we were trying to find answers to get rid of those and break the connection for good. He nods slowly at that. So if you have any tips, I don't want it. I'm trying to stop it. <laughs> Please. So that's the real reason you're here. Yes. To stop it. Yes. Well, him in general, and it from getting to me before it actually could, is able to do anything with me. Go ahead and roll persuasion. 17. He nods again, and some of the tension in the room begins to ease. They definitely seem to be... Diggy can show him. Tell me more. My Kraken has seen it, seen him when he's the king in yellow, when mm-hmm. he's been in my head. And she and I have interacted about it, and she knows the whole truth about what's going on. One of Asiliot's eyebrows has gone up, and he says, You're Kraken. <laughs> oh, um, I have a pet Kraken that I keep here, and I point to the pocket dimension necklace I have on. And we communicate. <laughs> <laughs> um, at that, he looks over at Chorus, whose big anime-sized eyes have gotten even larger at this explanation. You're sure you saw no signs of madness in her? <laughs> Chorus rubs the back of her neck and gives him a look that pretty clearly translates to, like, uh, I'm mostly sure. <laughs> Asilia then turns back to look at the rest of you to see how you are reacting to Thorina talking about the Kraken in her necklace. I don't even flinch. I right. give a thumbs up. <laughs> he then says, With your consent, Chorus can peer into your mind and corroborate what you are saying. Um, I'll say okay, and then I'll look at um, Varys and be like, if she does anything weird, take her out. Oh, no worries. I'll do both. 
right there. Or if I start doing anything weird. Okay, so you start to feel like her coming into your head again, um, and you're just going to let her. Yeah. So the feeling is not unlike when you and Dickie have talked. It feels like something is, like, caressing your brain, which is, a like, a feeling that, you know, you shouldn't have. Like, that's just not a thing. So it feels kind of weird, but you can also, you get that sense of, like, she's she's seeing things and she's, you know, digging in a little bit. And then that feeling recedes, and um, she's telling the truth. She has not yet been driven mad by the king in yellow, but there is something there, a mark of some sort, and there is a presence. Can you get it out? What kind of presence is it? It, I don't care, I want it out. (laughs) I don't think it's the king in yellow, though it is using his mark upon her. It is dark and ancient. Could it be Um, something fey in nature? No, I believe it is of the mortal world, but perhaps not bound by it. I don't believe I can safely ascertain more about it, let alone remove it from you. Cool. (laughs) Is it the same thing that's in the cultist's head that he thinks is in his head? No. He is mostly just mad but oh. um, how did he know have, imagine the madness is like cracks in a fish tank at first it's maybe just a few drops of water maybe a tiny trickle that escapes but if the cracks grow perhaps tiny things will begin to slip through as well grains of sand scales that have sloughed off and so on a fish that had a mind to maybe send pieces of messages through on some of those tiny bits. And so, mixed in with the random debris that escapes the fish tank would be nuggets of gold for those who wish to know what the fish desires. So those who serve the king in yellow and claim to hear his voice almost certainly do, but it may not be the only voice that they hear. Well, he's spoken to me, and I'd like to believe that I'm not actually mad. If you had a Chandran, that would have been the king's initial way of creating a connection, without requiring you to be mad. It also would mean you are marked as a herald. And assuming that your characters are looking at her as blankly as you all are looking at me, she'll continue. (laughs) It is said that the king in yellow will mark nine heralds and bring them together. That convergence will wake Hastur and open a path for it to enter our world. It has almost happened several times. The most recent was more than 3,000 years ago, at the heart of the War of the Champions. So should I not mention to you right now that I have Baharoth? Uh, Asilia breaks in. You have Crucius. We have a few of them. All the uh, paladin eyebrows are pretty high at this point. <laughs> we have three of them. That's actually why we came that's why we came to your order is to try to find more. You think there's a Crucius and Bright Moon? No, but I think that you might have information on where to find them though. Not you specifically, but your order. The three paladins are kind of now all exchanging glances. I don't think this is a coincidence. 
I don't think any of this is coincidences. Tempest has spoken to me to lead the charge on a on a crusade, basically, to stop the Gesh, if you're familiar with them. I know some of the old stories. I don't think any of this is coincidence that what's happening right now with the cultists in yellow, what you've just told us, and the Gesh being active again, and what's happened in Arthamore, I believe a lot of this is related. The Cult of Yellow has never attacked us in such numbers as they did yesterday. I've been trying to figure out why. And maybe the answer is you, a herald, and the Crucius, the weapons that stopped the Devourer from entering this world. So the Great Devourer is Hastur. If Hastur were a storm, the King in Yellow would be the rain, and the Devourer the lightning. Hmm. So would me having a Crucius and whatever connection be counterproductive to the use of the weapon, or help the weapon? I don't think so, other than that the cult wants you for the Convergence, and wants the Crucius so that they can destroy them. They're not the only ones, I can tell you that. Well, I'm just glad that I can keep my hammer and it's not actually connected to the King in Yellow. Did you think it was? I don't know. It just seemed like it was getting stronger or something. I don't know. Maybe it's just the connection I have with it. The King in Yellow told you basically any yeah. time you kill something, like it would help him. Yeah, I tell him that. But that doesn't help them. Oops. <laughs> then perhaps you should avoid killing people for the time being. That's not an easy thing for her specifically. And, well, us, too. <laughs> I try to look, like, innocent. Bahamut's compassion is endless. Seek to center yourself there. I just roll my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of half smiles and says, Well, it was worth a shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, believe me, I've tried religion on... <laughs> it's, not, it's not worth it. Vasilia and Chorus look at each other. A few moments of silence pass between them, and then Vasilia nods. Chorus turns back to you and says, We're preparing to enter Paragon. We have reason to believe an important leader in the Cult of Yellow is hiding below the city. If our information is correct, they are of grave importance, and might be a direct conduit to the King. If you are set on trying to find answers about your mark... I know of no better place for you to search. We could certainly use warriors of your caliber. I have never seen your equal. We are already indebted to you. But I would be honored if you would ride with us and help us to rip this cult's slimy tendrils from the land. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a scenario where, like, I know I just said I get impatient with whatever, but if I think it would help Therina figure it out, I would I would be on board with this if it helps if it helps a party member. So do you want to jump ahead to setting out into Paragon, or did you want to try some more interrogation? I mean, we can try. Think, I'll I get mean... any, think we'll get anything useful out of it? Chorus tilts her head slightly and looks kind of thoughtful and then says, In my experience, when they get to that point... When they can actually hear the king, there's not much left of them. Okay. Is there any way for them to uh, come back from that? It would be beyond my abilities, 
but in Bahamut's light, nothing is impossible, though they would have to want to come back. Hmm. Good to know. Well, Serena, what do you want to do with this guy? Kill him. But I can't. You can kill him. I I don't kill people that can't defend themselves. Ah, oh, you're no fun. Perhaps we should companion, I know. Perhaps we should let them deal with him. Yeah. Fine, we'll let them deal with him. Leave him to your own devices. I'll say that to them. Basiliot turns and nods to Athalos. The halfling puts a fist to its chest and then turns and leaves the room. You are given access to the supplies of Wardshire Keep, and you have the day to prepare how you see fit. Tomorrow morning you will set out into Paragon. It was once known as the City of Light. Now it is a monument to shadows and darkness. And somewhere beneath the heart of the city lies some answers to Thorina's connection to an ancient forgotten god that slumbers in the ruins of a dozen realities. See you guys laughing. I don't know what else to say. It's a, like <laughs> I'm I'm confused. Why are we laughing? Rod just said rod. Be a thing. Just shouldn't be a thing in the game. It really just shouldn't. You guys are he's got a white hot rod that this he pulled out of his belt. <laughs> that, yeah, I was gonna say that he pulled from his pants. Thomas almost said he pulled it from his pants and then stopped himself and said pulled from his belt. I tried. I tried, you guys. <laughs> the second I see Adam laughing, I just can't. <laughs> I tried not to look because I knew I knew you guys. <laughs> I didn't laugh at you, Thomas. Evan I is so disappointed that. in us right now. Very <laughs> As a DM, I'm disappointed. Oh. I'm just like I wanna, um, hard here, but it seems like you're making us. It seems like you're making us confirm that we want to rest so that you can trap us into resting and then something happens because <laughs> you're like you're sure you want to rest are you sure can you just confirm for me that you're saying you want to rest out in the open no actually I mean I think it, I think it actually for yeah. real went pretty well for what I that telling the truth was good I guess <laughs> I was saying I thought the I thought that interaction actually went pretty well um, particularly because I thought there was a number of opportunities for it to go sideways. Yeah, so yeah the me coin, too. The coin lied. Well, um, it did not. But we never did get, get we never answers. we never did get information from the prisoner. That's true. Yeah, the interrogation didn't go well because like that was what caused the whole shitstorm. Right. Um. All right. Remember uh, when our biggest problem was that I was a werewolf. <laughs> oh, those days. Yeah. Remember that time I almost killed you? Yeah, remember that time I almost killed you? 
<laughs> oh god, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're over that now, right? Like we're cool. Yeah, I got the helmet. Remember? Okay. Mine too. <laughs> I still have to remind myself that we're cool. <laughs> Nothing cool happened to me, <sighs> except when I got lost with Ben and almost died. Got to be more active. No, I'm just like too good at D and D. I was just curious. Hive mind. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say that, but then Adam beat me to it. Oh, he was so excited about that. <laughs> I know. I don't get the reference, but... There's a D&D group on Facebook that we're in, and anytime somebody asks a question, they're like, hey, hive mind. So then Adam was like, I'm going to start using that. And I was like, nope. Oh. Gotcha. When do you have these like inside joke conversations? <laughs> They're in we Slack. You guys just have Slack. to check in Slack. Oh, yeah, I just ignore that most of the time.